It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is July 25th, 2019. My name is Phil Rossenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. And of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to talk about the Magic's kind of young core and the place that they hold in this on this Magic team and, and with the Magic as the team is kind of trying to have its cake and eat it too. I'll also explain why I think that Jonathan Isaac is the X factor for the team yet again and why his play and his development is going to determine just how far this Magic team can go. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching on iTunes for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail with a local expert that knows that has seen best, there's a podcast with for every single team in the NBA with the same level of expertise that you would find here on Locked On Magic from people who know and follow the team. Don't go to someone else to hear about the Magic. Don't go to someone else. Don't listen to me when I talk about the Celtics or the Hawks or the Mavericks or the Nuggets or whoever. Go to the people that know. That's where I go when I need to learn a little something about other teams. It's where you should go to. You can find all these podcasts, plus NFL with training camps opening today, or today for most of the league, MLB, colleges too. The Lockdown Podcast Network has you covered. Check it all out on iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. Just search for Lockdown and the team you're looking for. Or check out Lockdown NBA, Lockdown NFL, Lockdown Fantasy Basketball, and I believe there's also a Lockdown Fantasy Football. You can get anything you need from the sports world here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. The Orlando Magic spent their summer doubling down on their roster. There's, there's no getting around this. There's no denying this. The Magic's strategy this offseason was to reinvest in the group that got them to the playoffs for the first time in seven years. The idea behind what the Magic were trying to accomplish and what the Magic were trying to do is essentially to repeat their success of last year. And they paid a pretty penny for it. Orlando is bumping right up against the luxury tax and that's affected some other aspects of their summer. But for the most part, the magic, Magic's goal and the Magic's identity is pretty much the same. Now, this thought, this, this thought process, this, this, this decision led to some 
justified hand-wringing from the magic faithful. It led to some thought that why are you spending this much on a team that merely finished 7th in the Eastern Conference, that just got in the playoffs in the last few days of the season, and maybe can't get that much further. The, the sting of six years out of the playoffs is certainly present. And while I, I, I think that there, I, I've, I've tried to counter these arguments, I will fully admit that yes, it is very possible that the Magic take a step back, that the Magic miss the playoffs, that the Magic go back to being what they were the last six years. This, this investment the Magic made is a huge risk. Not making this investment would also be a risk because you'd lose some of the certainty. And so I think the Magic were essentially trying to make, they were making a bet, and they're probably making a bet that they felt more comfortable with than the alternative. And so the Magic are bringing back, not essentially, literally, the same roster plus Al Farouk Aminu and Hope and, and Markel Fultz and thinking that will get them to that next step. That next step, of course, being making the playoffs comfortably. That next step, of course, being competing for home court advantage. That next step being getting out of the first round, winning 50 games. Because as much as the cameo that the Magic made, the five-game cameo the Magic made in the playoffs was important, and I will always argue that it was important, that, that winning is important, it doesn't have as much meaning if the Magic don't take that next step. And that next step, of course, is getting out of the first round, is being true title contenders because at the end of the day, the promise that Alex Martins has made over the last decade since the Magic last went to the NBA Finals is that the Magic are a championship organization trying to win championships. Their goal is to lift the Larry O'Brien trophy, to raise a banner in the Amway Center. And obviously they have to get there. So if the Magic are bringing back the same roster, how do they get there? The answer is actually pretty simple and straightforward. Last year, Orlando had, if I'm not mistaken, the youngest or second youngest starting lineup of any playoff team. The Magic, despite making the playoffs and despite having a solid group of veteran players, are still a fairly young team. They've got several contributors who are not yet in their prime. Not anywhere close to it, actually. And several kind of wildcard players who could really make this team very good. Development, of course, as I've often said, is is not a straight line. There's always the potential to step back. There's always the potential to to stagnate. There's, There's always the potential some things don't work out. But it is undeniably clear that this team, despite a veteran in Nikola Vucevic, who's 29 years old, probably near the top of his top of his game. Evan Fournier, kind of similar. Terrence Ross, certainly similar. That this is a team that is still potentially on the rise. And it all depends on those young players and just how much they grow. The ringer decided to compile a ranking of all the best young cores in the league. And they did this by using 
538, somewhat controversial and murky uh, Carmelo system, but for this purposes, I do think it serves serves its purpose. And using Carmelo and, and its win, wins above, re, above replacement projections, it looked at how much wins above replacement players under 25, 25 and under, produce for their teams or will produce for their teams over the next five years. On that list, the Magic finished 11th. Much rosier picture, perhaps, of the Magic than others might paint. And most power rankings that have come out now that free agencies died down and the offseason's really in swing, among those power rankings, the Magic are usually in the late teens, fighting, scratching to make the playoffs. On this young core ranking, the Magic are 11th, which is a pretty solid number, and fourth among Eastern Conference teams. Say what you will about the Carmelo ratings, and there's plenty to say about it. But this thought process suggests that the Magic are indeed an up-and-coming team, a team on the rise, a team that has potential to keep growing because 25 is certainly not in your prime. And a team that could become a force if players develop correctly. Now, they're not competing with Milwaukee right now. They're not probably competing with Philadelphia. And in fact, the three teams ahead of them in the Eastern Conference are Philadelphia and Boston, who are already winning games with very young players. And Atlanta, who's got a lot of young players and, and an abundance of young players, which is part partly why they, they might rank so high, but... Certainly, they're a team that a lot of people around the league are, are suddenly very excited about, even though I think they're still a few years away from, from true, uh, true, uh, co- true competitiveness. I, I think they've got at least another year um, to, to get to that level, and I, I don't think this year they're, they're really much of a playoff threat. So the Magic are kind of in that group, and, and in the write-up about their, their young core, though, there was this, the, the statement and the thought that this Magic team is trying to have its cake and eat it too. They've got a bunch of veteran players that are going to take up a lot of minutes, but a lot of young guys that could be really, really good are really, really bad. Aaron Gordon is the best among them at 23 years old. He's already kind of established himself as a pretty high-end starter, in my opinion, and I think there's, there's definitely continued room for his development, and I expect him to have a very good season this coming year. But... Even he, if you go look at those Carmelo projections, it's kind of tepid on him. His upper ranges suggest he could be an all-star. His bottom range, essentially a non-factor. And of course, the younger you are, the wilder these ranges are, the wider these ranges are. Jonathan Isaac's the same way. Markel Fultz is the same way. Mo Bamba is potentially even a negative player in, in those Carmelo ratings. Now, I don't want to get too deep into the weeds about the Carmelo ratings and, and how these things are built because there, there are definitely problems with 538's metric. It's, it's, a fun, it's a good graph. It you know, tries to compare players based on, their, based on certain physical attributes and the way they play to other players and find comparisons and uses that as a model. It's, it's a complicated thing, and it's, it's not the best tool. So I don't want to get too far into the weeds in that. But what all this should say is that 
the Magic do still have enormous potential. The bet the Magic made in re-signing their players and re-signing Vucevic and Ross was to say, what we accomplished in 2019 is not the end. It's just the beginning. We can still get better. We can still do more. And the way they will do more, the way that this team can reach that next level is all on the backs of these young players. It's all on perhaps Aaron Gordon taking a leap to stardom. It's all on Jonathan Isaac continuing his development and his progress, continuing to become a better shooter for both of them. It's on Markel Fultz giving the Magic something and perhaps tapping in to that talent that made him the first overall pick. And and not just the first overall pick, the unanimous first overall pick. No one was taking anyone else in that draft, number one. Even Boston, if they decided to keep that pick. And Mo Bamba. It's It's on Mo Bamba's shoulders, too. The Magic re-signing their veterans is essentially somewhat of an insurance. It's a stopgap of sorts. It's to keep the team competitive in the present because that matters to this franchise. But whether this team takes that next step, whether this team becomes more than just a, you know, a mediocre team, it's all on how these guys grow and develop. The number one concern that I, I, I've heard from Magic fans over the course of the offseason and, and really even into some of the regular season is this fear of being stuck in those lower seats. And my response throughout the year has been, don't worry about that now. Get stuck there first. Get there first, then worry about it. And as I've said on this podcast, last year was more proof of concept. It was the idea and, 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 the, and the actualization and the confirmation that this group does have playoff potential. Now the question is, how do you do it again? And do you get better? Do you truly show that you can take this next step that, that just feels theoretical at this point? And again, if you get stuck in the middle, if you don't make that next step, if you don't feel like that next step is coming, then you're in the mediocre problem. Then you're in the the hamster wheel of mediocrity that does deserve some, some examination. But the Magic clearly showed throughout the offseason in, in passing on you know potential deals, as, as I've still gotten people who want to trade X and X and X and X for you know, a bunch of young guys or whoever. This Magic team believes in this young group. They want to give this young group the chance to develop and grow. They're going to get their chance. And if the Magic are to make that next step, it's all on whether these young guys develop. They are the variables in this equation. We know what Nikola Vucevic is going to give us, even if he takes a little bit of a step back. We know what Terrence Ross is going to give us. We know what Evan Fournier is going to give us to some extent. Everyone else on the roster, you feel pretty comfortable knowing how they'll perform. It's these guys. It's Aaron Gordon. It's Jonathan Isaac. It's Marco Fultz. It's 
Mobamba. It's those guys that will determine if the Magic get to a comfortable six seed, fight for first, fight to get to a game seven, get out of the first round, get a home court advantage, surprise everyone and hit 50 wins. It's those guys that will determine everything for this team. That part has not changed, even with the renewed focus on winning. And more than any other player, I think, next year, it's going to be on one guy's shoulders the most. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Last year at Media Day, Evan Fournier, in, in, in examining the season and, and, and previewing the season, said, Jonathan Isaac is going to be our X-Factor. His potential and what he could do is going to determine what our season is, what kind of season we have. He's going to be a player that, you know, it's not going to sink or swim the season, but if he becomes a player we think he can, this season could be really special. Undoubtedly, you know, the sixth overall pick and and everything that comes with that, Isaac has potential. His rookie year, of course, was a bit of a wash because he missed so many games. And so it was still very unclear what the Magic were going to get from Jonathan Isaac. In essence, this past year was his rookie season. This past year was Isaac getting his feel for the league. And of course, a, a, a sprained ankle, the same injury that that kept him out all year last, essentially all year last year. Early in the year, began to derail that some. But Evan Fournier was a hundred percent right. Among the many factors that led to the Orlando Magic's twenty-two nine run to make the playoffs, Jonathan Isaac was a big one. Before January thirty-first, which was when the Magic's twenty-two and nine run started. Before January 31st, Jonathan Isaac averaged 8.1 points per game and 5 rebounds per game. He shot 28.1% on three-pointers and a 46.4% effective field goal percentage. Not good numbers. He was essentially kind of out there, solid defender, good energy guy, but not really a, a factor in these games. As the Magic made their push for the playoffs, as the Magic made their run, after January 31st, Isaac's scoring jumped up to 11.8 points per game. 
He grabbed 6.2 rebounds per game. But more importantly, shot 35.9% from beyond the arc and posted a 53.8% effective field goal percentage. Suddenly, Isaac was not just a great defender and an energetic offensive player, but a positive contributor, a consistent contributor at that. Shooting efficiently and making three-pointers. I would argue one of the reasons the Magic struggled so much in the playoffs was because he went back to missing three-pointers like he did early in the season. He was still vital to that team. I thought his defense on Pascal Siakam at least slowed him down and and, and disrupted other parts of the Raptors' offense. But Isaac missing threes and missing shots was exactly what the defense wanted. And that hurt the team in the end. At that point, by late January, Isaac had played enough and played long enough that you could see him being confident in his body and confident in what he could do. And so all the pieces of that puzzle began to come together. And obviously, things changed for the better for the Magic. The question, of course, is how does Isaac get better? Can Isaac become more confident attacking off the dribble? Can he become a stronger rebounder, a better three-point shooter? Or will he kind of still be that fifth option on offense? Are the Magic going to be able to run some plays for him? I would essentially argue that that they didn't run very many plays for him, you know, other than simple pin downs that get him kind kind of to his spots. These are the big questions now. When it comes to Jonathan Isaac, this is the big question. And it's a big question for the Magic this season. Because Jonathan Isaac's range of outcomes is about as wide as any other player. He is truly, once again, the Magic's X-factor. Because if he shows up, you know, improved in the way that, say, Pascal Siakam was last year, all of a sudden the Magic are a really scary and dangerous team. Because this is a seven-foot guy who can you know, who could potentially shoot jumpers confidently. He's got a good, he's got a good kind of pull-up jumper that he, that he pulled out, like a two-dribble pull-up that he pulled out throughout last year that he was very comfortable shooting. No one's blocking that. If he's a good three-point shooter, then all of a sudden, defenses can't sag off him, and that opens up lanes for everyone else. We all see Isaac's potential. The Magic and his teammates see his potential. But the question is, how does it all come together on the court? If he's like he was last year, the Magic can have a season just like they had last year. If he takes a huge step forward, if he takes really any step forward, all of a sudden this team looks a lot different. There are some concerns, I guess, about Isaac and Gordon playing together. I don't have them. I think they showed last year that they can play together, especially if they continue to develop their shooting. Isaac is a versatile defender. One of the best defenders on the team. Probably just behind Gordon. Maybe Birch. I'll I'll give Birch some credit. But he is someone that can take this team to the next level. As I said earlier, it is on the young player's shoulders to make this team better now. And honestly, I'm not expecting much from Markel Fultz. 
Fultz has played 33 games in the NBA, like Isaac last year. I'm treating this this season, or whenever Fultz steps onto the floor, as his rookie year. He's going to make mistakes. He's going to show flashes, but it's going to be inconsistent. You just hope the good outweighs the bad. So Fultz, to me, I expect him to be the backup point guard at the very least. But anything else, anything above that that I get, I'm, I'm thinking is gravy, and I'm not expecting it. With Isaac, I think there is an expectation that he takes on a bigger role within the offense. That he is a better shooter. That he is a, a verging on an elite defender. Which I, I think he's almost, he's going to get there. He's, he's so good already. And I think there's the expectation that at some games, it will be his game. That he'll have games where he is the main guy on offense. I think he can do it. I'm really high on Jonathan Isaac. I, I, I want to make that clear. And reaching those levels will take this team to another level. And it's really just him. Because Aaron Gordon could become an all-star, and I think the team would be only marginally better. Evan Fournier can return to his mean, and I think the team would be better, but not in the same way that Isaac taking the leap would make this team better, or Isaac taking a huge step in his game would make this team better. Steve Clifford's let it know, let it known already publicly on, on the broadcast on NBA TV during Summer League that Isaac has been in the gym a lot and has made big strides. And that should have Magic fans excited. That should have the Magic excited. Because I really think he can be a huge difference maker once again this season. To me, more than any other player, there is more uncertainty about what Jonathan Isaac's going to give you this year. The difference between being a mediocre seventh seed and being a really dangerous four or five seed, maybe, maybe even as some people have said, the Magic could be a three seed, is Jonathan Isaac. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, follow us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Himalaya app, Google Play, wherever you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow us on Twitter there at omagicdaily. We'll be doing our history series on orlandomagicdaily.com coming up in the next few weeks uh, once August gets started. 
So be sure to follow us on Twitter at omagicdaily. Uh, we'll be doing another another uh, viewer poll, a reader poll, um, as well to to get your input on our list for the year, for the for this off season. So we'll we'll talk about that list here on the podcast uh, when we get to it. But um, for now, we'll I'll, I'll just tease it. So just be on the lookout for that. Definitely follow us on Twitter at omagicdaily. But that's gonna do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossenreich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.